What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. It's Thursday, and you know what that means. It means it's time for another edition of Day After Dynamite, right here on Fightful Overbooked. I'm Will Washington. I'm the host of Day After Dynamite, your dad, if you will. But I'm not alone here. I'm actually joined by somebody who uh, is making waves here in all parts of wrestling media. I couldn't be more proud of this individual here because it is just watching her grow and blossom as she has in just the last like six months has been insane. It's Miss J Shell, or as I call her, J Chalet. <laughs> Hi, guys. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for the amazing introduction. The last time we did a show together was like maybe like two months ago now or so, something mm-hmm. like that. And yeah, my goal board is completely different. I've achieved a bunch of stuff now and I'm in a completely different place. So I'm very excited to be here with you again. Well, yeah. I, I, and just, I always think about just the fact that you are 17. Yes. And the amount of things you've accomplished. First off, I wore this hoodie for a reason. This hoodie is 17 years old, oh, by the wow. way. This hoodie I'm currently wearing. I've had this thing since high school, since my senior year of high school, which was, oh, checks clock, 17 years ago. But what you have accomplished at 17, I started podcasting at 17. Um, those who have been following me long enough know that I hosted RBR Weekly Wrestling Talk from the time I was 17 till the time I was uh, right before I turned 34. Uh, and so I did that show a very long time and that was just one show I did. And then I was, I I did other podcasts in between, but like what you've accomplished, like makes anything I did at 17 look like child's play. And, uh, I, I think the things you're doing with wrestling whiteness, um, are, it's just amazing. And, uh, the amount of talent you've already gotten to talk to it's, it's been really cool to watch happen. So I'm very proud of you, Jay shell. And I think that uh, there's a whole lot more on the horizon, such as this show. Yes. Also, I have a shirt that's I not 17, but it relates to a 17-year-old. I have my Billy Starks shirt on as well, <laughs> my fellow 17-year-old. Um, so something 17. 17's all around, I guess. It's a lucky number. Yeah, around. 17's all around. Of course, this hoodie's like falling apart. Look at the string right here. I'm sure this like connected to something at uh, some point. But yeah, it's... It's been like I used to wear this thing all senior year. Uh, this was this was a dope hoodie, and and uh, I suppose it's it's my wife's favorite hoodie to take from me, and I, I think many a girlfriend also wore it too. Uh, look, I was seventeen, uh, so but I always got it back. I okay. always got this hoodie back. Love this I hoodie. have many boyfriend ex boyfriends hoodies still, and they will not be receiving them back. See, that's how you know it's a true triumph and who won in the relationship is if you got the hoodie back. At least I mean, that's a, how it was for me in high school. I'm a winner all around. So. But hey, it is. it is day after Dynamite. Here yes. on this show, we discuss 
All Elite Wrestling Dynamite the day after. Because a lot of things can change in the day after. That's what makes this show a little bit different than your standard recap shows. We can always talk about it immediately after, but sometimes things soak in and your opinions might change or some news might break or as what just hit, uh, literally as you heard my phone vibrate, the ratings came in. Uh, and I'm curious what those are. Huh, okay. It's about what I thought they were gonna be. Okay. We'll reveal that here at the end. Um, okay. But yeah, uh, it's, it's exactly what I thought it was gonna be actually. Uh, so the, well, huh, that's interesting that I think, I think the chart is off. It's slightly off. Anyway, um, we're going to talk about all things AEW Dynamite right here on Day After Dynamite. Uh, I thought this was a fun episode of Dynamite. I thought it was a very true return to form in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, I thought it was very cohesive, and there's a lot of pieces I, I, I want to get into. Uh, the show kicked off, actually, with the Tag Team Battle Royal. The winners advance to AEW Revolution. Ten teams competing. And this is not the first time that we've had ten teams competing in a Tag Team Battle Royal. We actually saw one uh, back on February 19th, uh, 2020, and that took place in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, that battle royal, that tag team battle royal, was won by the Young Bucks, which led to them getting to challenge for the AEW tag team titles against Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega at Revolution. Greatest tag team match of all time. And you, yeah. I called that at the time the greatest tag team battle royal to take place. Did this one top it? No. But uh, this, one, <laughs> this one was fine. Um, we saw, honestly, I was surprised at the lineup. In that I looked at the lineup of the Tag Team Battle Royal from two years ago. This match had six of the same teams of the ten. There's only four different teams from that one two years ago. Uh, and the uh, the four teams that were different this time around were the Ass Boys uh, and Red Dragon and 2.0 and FTR, who of course wasn't in the company yet. Uh, other than that, every team here was there before. Uh, and so... I like the dynamic of AEW Tag Team Battle Royals. Uh, let me just say that. Um, that I like the idea of each member needing to be eliminated. Um, we've seen in other promotions when they've done the Tag Team Battle Royals where you eliminate one member and the team is just gone. And so uh, I thought that was... I thought it was a much better idea and it creates a sense of drama to need both members eliminated. So that way, like yeah. one member is still hanging on for the team. That's always a great dynamic to me of the tag team battle Royal. And in this case, that was how this match went down. Um, we saw kind of certain members eliminated early on. We saw uh, Alex Reynolds go out early. We saw uh, a private party had gone out early, but then, uh, when Mark Quinn went out, Matt Hardy actually saves uh, uh, Isaiah Cassidy. We also saw the Butcher and the Blade. Uh, it, we saw Butcher eliminated early on, or sorry, Blade eliminated early on, and then Butcher kind of goes on a powerhouse tear a bit. Uh, the Ass Boys went out early. Um, Chuck Taylor went out early. And Ortiz went out early. Um, and it really became a match where it was FTR kind of taking out every single uh 
side member of a team in order to basically be the only standing team in the match. Yep. Uh, and so I, I, I don't know. I, I did like that dynamic. Um, it didn't go necessarily where I thought it would go. I, I did like the, the facial expression from Santana uh, and um, his little spot right before uh, eliminating 2.0. That was cool. What did you think of this match? Okay, let me start by saying one of my shows is based around the fact that I have ADHD. So you have uh -huh. lots of people in a ring and my brain is like, whoa, hold on. I need a second. I had to go back and rewatch this match because my mind was going everywhere. Um, I did like that private party spot that we saw with Matt Hardy. Uh, and we saw the Isaiah Cassidy fall into, um, into Matt's arms, get brought back up, Quinn, all that stuff. I really enjoyed that. I was... Very upset at the end. I wanted Santana Ortiz to win this, to be honest. Um, ever since now that we have the Eddie and Jericho match solidified, I always thought that, that um, Santana and Ortiz were going to be a part of that match in some shape or form, and they were going to do something with the inner circle there. But since that's a singles match. I thought so, match, too. Yeah. Yeah. Since that's now a singles match, that opens the doors for me here for Santana and Ortiz to be a part of this match and get on Revolution. I know we still have the, the next Battle Royal as well, so I'm very hopeful for that also. Um but I don't I know that they will because now I'm kind of like, okay, it's probably going to be the Bucks who win uh, the other. But yes, I somebody like a bunch of people predicted that. I asked, who do you think is going to win on my Twitter? And a bunch of people started saying that. And I was like, yeah, that's what's going to happen. Yep, that's <laughs> what we're going to do. And I mean, that's cool and everything. So I, just, I, will, I will say this you mentioned the ADHD thing, um, which uh, I mean, as soon as my camera can focus because it just lost me the me try and like move until it like refocuses i try my hand there anything there we go there we go um there go. yeah i mean you mentioned that and like uh i don't think anybody knows this about me but i'm also very much i'm an adhd sufferer um i especially uh, my, my worst adhd symptom is that uh i function best under the wire and that when uh when i have deadlines I, I if you give me a deadline of two weeks i'm not the type of person to start it tomorrow i'm the type of person to start it the day before it's due and because it's just it's the way my brain functions it like has to have some kind of sense of uh danger i guess is the way to put that and hey by the way uh i meant to bring this up but we want you Super Chats, we want your Humper Chats. Uh, head on over to HumperChats.com uh, and drop us one. Um, also, send us a Super Chat because uh, we got a Super Chat here from Nikolai who says, Love Dynamite last night. Fun Battle Royal, especially the final six. With next week being casino style, should we expect a surprise in the Joker position? Love the work you two do. Interesting question. So thinking about the last casino tag royale, um, what was interesting about the... And, and actually... See, there's my ADHD function because I didn't even get to the point I was going to. Uh, so um, I'll bring it all back around, I promise. Okay. So you mentioned that. And that's kind of what I've always hated about the Battle Royal in general is that a Battle Royal is a, a giant cluster of people. Because yes. you start with everybody in. Whereas, you know, the, the, uh, the Casino Battle Royale or Royal Rumble um start and they bring in people individually mm. and it uh it makes it a much easier match to digest because at that point um you 
you don't start with so many people to where it's hard to focus. You you get to a point, you build up, and so you have an understanding of who's made their way in at yep. one by one by one by one. Uh, and so uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this match fares against next week's because next week is uh, the Casino Tag Royale, which yes. was basically the Royal Rumble. Like, you know, the 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 casino battle royale, um, the singles one has always focused around the, the cards and people coming out based on uh, what card they drew. But the tag royale is literally just the Royal Rumble with tag teams. So uh, I, I do think that at least for um, it's going to be easier to digest, I think. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious to see how it plays out uh, and what teams are in it this time. Is there going to be a surprise? I don't know. Um, because... What team would be a surprise? The Briscoes, maybe. I doubt it, but that's the only thing I could think of being a surprise. I have my doubts, too, uh, for other things I've heard. But um, either way, it's uh, we shall see what that ends up being. Um, But yeah, as far as this was concerned, uh, you know, obviously the... The two tag teams currently in the elite uh, had remaining members of Kyle O'Reilly and um, and Matt Jackson, and so the two of them worked together. Uh, once Santana and Ortiz were out, and they did a spot with Santana and um, and Trent and Trent Beretta, of course, he went on like the babyface run of this match. He was kind yeah. of the guy who uh, everybody was getting behind. Um, hot crowd, by the way, the show took place in Bridgeport, Connecticut, I believe, uh, and um, which was also the home of uh, NXT TakeOver, uh, I think it was 25, that saw uh, Adam Cole win the NXT uh, championship. That said, this show saw... I don't uh, know how you have all that in your brain, Will. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't understand. I... I have to, it's one of those things. So I was just talking with somebody yesterday about this, um, where they were like, why do you remember so many things about pro wrestling? And I thought I cover this stuff. I'd rather know more about it than less. And so, um, granted, while in some ways it is a curse and this is, I will say this too. This has been something that's been, um, it was actually worse for me when I was your age because when I was 17, I used to keep, uh, a stat log. Uh, and I kept it from the time I was 16 until um, probably I was like 18. Um, but I used to keep stats of win-loss records in um, in just WWE at the time. So like and, cage match. Yeah, basically <sighs> cage match without cage match. But it was just for WWE because like I didn't Whoa. really care to do it for Impact. And then there wasn't um, really anybody else like worth covering at the time because mm-hmm. uh, nobody else was running regular programming enough. So I, was, I did though. And I remember uh, like I had this kind of mental tracks. I remember 2004, I think RVD had the most matches that year. And uh, I love the grin. You're like, yeah, that's my year. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> in 2004, RVD had the most matches that whole year, uh, which is a fascinating stat because he got injured at the end of the year. And even not working the last three months of the year, nobody had as many matches as he did in 2004. Uh, and that's just Jesus stuff. Christ. I, but the funny thing was at the time I used to just try to keep as much in my memory as possible. And now, um, mostly it is just like locations and dates that I hang on to anymore. Uh, 
because I like that stuff. Um, and this was one of those shows that, uh, that it, this was AEW's first time in the, uh, state of Connecticut, by the way, which came into play here later on. And we'll talk about that in a moment, but the match ended up being won by red dragon. Uh, and I don't know how I feel about them getting a tag title shot. Did you know J shell? Red Dragon has not had a tag team match in AEW yet. <laughs> oh, no, I did not. But that makes me upset. Yeah, like when you think about the fact that there are so many teams that you could put in a spot to become tag team champions, like Santana and Ortiz, like you mentioned. Um, there's Private Party. Uh, there's um, FTR probably could get another run at it. Uh, because uh, their first run wasn't really right, and uh, and I think it just wasn't the right time for them. When you consider how many other teams probably should have gotten it ahead of them, but now looking at it, there still has not been a tag team match, and I suppose that could be their story that Red Dragon becomes tag team champions in their first tag team match in they AEW. Better not. <laughs> Because, uh, because like that would be a story. Because next week they're already booked in a um, a six man tag, so they still won't have had a tag team match with Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish prior to getting their shot at Revolution. I don't like that. That's upsetting. Oh my god. <laughs> so it, it 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 is interesting um that they went there and i mean it does speak to their prowess as a tag team i suppose there's places you can go with that as a story uh but i enjoyed the battle royal i didn't enjoy it as much as the first one i thought the story of the first one with matt jackson being the valiant baby face while uh santana and ortiz had as heels systematically picked off every other team I thought was a great story because they had picked them off one by one until mm -hmm. by the end, Santana and Ortiz were the only remaining team and Matt Jackson had to overcome this team that was taking everybody out. And in this match, you had FTR doing that, but FTR didn't make it to the end. So yeah. um, I think they did kind of telegraph that the Young Bucks are probably going to win next week's. Uh, and then we did see Hangman Adam Page make his way out. He brawls with uh, Red Dragon. The Young Bucks allow him to because they're pissed that uh, Kyle O'Reilly stabbed Matt in the back to get the victory. And they still uh, have that dynamic, like when yeah. Matt gave the nod to Paige and everything. So Yeah, th there's, there's a number of stories here at yes. play, right? Uh, and, and then um, Hangman cuts a promo on uh, Adam Cole. He, uh, he does story time with Adam Page. And he tells him that he's going to beat him at Revolution. Uh, and that was that. This segment for me as a whole, I consider this all one whole segment. The Battle Royal and the uh, the Adam Page aftermath. Um, it's a solid B for me. Um, I can't go higher than a B. I can't go B+. Plus. Uh, I thought that the Battle Royal was fun. And I think that Adam Cole versus Adam Page, oddly enough, got uh, for a match that feels like it just came out of nowhere, 
Uh, I, I won't say out of nowhere. The signs were all there that it was going to be there. And I think everybody had predicted it was going to happen. But I feel like it got steamed very quickly. And that was what I wanted to see out of this. So overall, I think it's a solid B for me. What did you think? Yeah, as you were talking, I was thinking of B too. What I realized, like, kind of just now, is that I prefer Battle Royals that have surprises involved in them. So I think I'm going to be more attracted to the Casino Battle Royal, and I would probably give that a higher grade also. Because... Um, the surprise in this match was just the person that was going to win. So when there's a little bit more bite to it, and even like the order is mixed up a little bit because obviously everybody was just in the ring at once. Um, I think that adds some more su suspense to it as well. Uh, and then somebody in the chat mentioned that it could be Dante and Darius. Um, that would be dope. Which, oh my God. Give me, yeah. give me, give me. <laughs> yeah. Apparently somebody told me that they were taking renders or something like that recently. So maybe that is a possibility. Um, I mean, yeah, I, we have seen that recently, and he was even in, uh, Darius was even in gear. Um, I didn't even think about that. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Shit. Yeah. Okay. Just fuck the story of the Young Bucks. Uh, it's gotta be, <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it has to be, uh, top flight. Just give me top flight. That's all I want. Yes. Shit. I didn't even think about that. That rules. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So the, uh, the next segment was uh the segment that has everybody talking mjf makes his way down to the ring yes. and mjf just decides to pour his heart out in a way that none of us were expecting uh we weren't sure what the tone was going to be you know last week he had come out after cm punk um called him out and announced the match type and mjf didn't have a word to say and it was interesting mm -hmm. but then mjf got on the mic and drop some truths and not only did he drop some truths but uh he uh, oh and Derek gordon brings up a good point ruby soho and brian cage won title shots without having a singles match you are correct uh so i suppose it's been done before especially through the uh through the format of in brian cage's case it was the casino ladder match and in ruby soho's case it was the casino battle royale yeah, though, MJF, he just murdered this. And it was, a in a way, what I wasn't expecting. I, yeah. It was one of those things where he's talking from the heart, and you're like, okay, this is MJF. Where's the twist? Where's the swerve? Where is he going to be like, ha-ha, just playing. Yep. MJF doesn't have feelings. I don't care about none of that stuff. No, he didn't do any of that. Instead, he talked about a lot of stuff that's verifiably true. Uh, that he was a diehard CM Punk fan. Um, he talked about um, uh, that post from, I think it was the or on the, the Ring Classic, Wrestling Classic? Wrestling um, Classic, yeah. Wrestling Classic, yeah, where he, uh, it was the Daniel Bryan and CM Punk shaking hands image. Uh, and MJF did have a big post about that. And the effect that CM Punk walking out had on him. Yeah. And there was no twist. He actually sounded like he was coming from the art. To the point of where, believably, CM Punk makes his way down to the ring. And, you know, obviously CM Punk, he's skeptical. He's not going to, like, take all the bait on this. But yeah. he's like, is that true? You know, the first time that CM Punk has had to confront the truth of what happened when he walked out on WWE in 2014 when you were 10 years old oh, God. i wasn't even watching then i wasn't 
watching when Punk left. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, that makes sense. I started watching like three months after. I was like WrestleMania. So. WrestleMania. So like Roman and Brock the first time was when you started watching? Mm-mm. It was the one before that. No, it's um, 30. Oh, yeah. WrestleMania 30. Okay. I yeah. So it was. That's, sorry. I was I, thinking about when CM Punk was yeah. released, which happened in June and not when he actually left, which happened in January. Yeah. I was thinking like, okay, his contract ended in June. Um, and I contract ended. That's when he was uh, faxed the his termination papers on his wedding day. As he, yes. Uh, likes to my to favorite woman in the whole entire world. Yes. AJ Lee. I did give her female wrestler of the decade of the 2010s. Still believe that. Yes. Um, I still believe she laid the foundation for so much in that decade. Yes. She's the reason I have a Divas Championship, too. So. I don't have a Divas Championship, but I bought one for my daughter. Um, and I believe it was probably, I think it was either based off of, oh, look at that. Yeah. It's very old. <laughs> I mean, the Divas Championship hasn't been a thing in six years. So, yes. um, it would have to be. Uh, and Nathan says, MJF brought Jewish representation to wrestling in a way I've never seen it before. I'll never really be able to root against him after that as a Jew. That was incredible. I mean, there was a lot of stuff he said there. And yeah, he talked about all of that. It, it, he there specifically were a lot of said, we got Jews in the house and people started cheering. Yeah. <laughs> and uh the the crowd like the way that they came into this booing but the more he spoke the more they were like we can't boo this yeah and then he brought it around and to the point of where he had a standing ovation round of applause when he was done and i, I don't know what you do with this after that I felt uh, so uncomfortable and confused throughout this. I was like, what is happening? Um, I mean, I do like the idea of there being some depth to MJF, uh, to yeah. him finally showing a little bit of uh, a heart, I suppose, showing that he isn't as much of an abrasive ass as he, uh, and does, you know, the bravado is, is, is a little bit of a shell. And I do like, that he did show some heart here. I actually really appreciated that. Um, and I appreciated CM Punk. You know, it, CM Punk has always kind of come off as the smartest guy in the room. But in this case, he's not sure if he's being played. Because hearing that, it's like, damn, did I really do that to people uh, by walking out? Do I owe people an apology? Like... There, there's a lot there. There's a lot to that. And I'm very interested in seeing how they follow up. This, for me, is an A-plus segment. I won't go S-tier because I don't know where it's going. But I am very interested. A-plus. Easy. I have an A, not a plus. Um, but there was one thing that I noted, and I understand why there has to be a crowd involved for this, but I kind of wish this would have been like a segment with JR where like he's having a conversation conversation with JR and he's just like pouring his heart out. So in a little bit of a different setting, I feel like um, it was a little bit jarring for me to see something like this in front of that crowd and hearing the crowd's reactions and everything. But I understand that that was meant to be a part of it. I just would have preferred if it was like a, like a video segment instead. Have you ever seen, because I realize... 
you would have been negative five when this happened. Um, but have you ever seen the original Triple H, I Am The Game, sit down? I don't think so. Okay. Because it's almost exactly what you're describing. Oh, wow. Um, so in 1999, history lesson with William R. Washington. In 1999, um, it was the summer of 99. It was in the buildup to um, fully loaded uh, 1999, uh, where Triple H hadn't won a WWE title yet. And granted, at the time, in the Attitude Era, things moved a lot faster. Like if I said to you right now that Hunter had been around for four years and hadn't won the title, you'd be like, okay, plenty of people have been around four years and hadn't won the title. But at that time, if you've been around four years and hadn't won a title, it was like, wow, what are you even doing? Like, there's no time left for you. Um, wow. And so uh, he had this sit down with JR in 99. And it was the first time he ever said, uh, he declared himself the game. Um, and uh, which, as you know, has been his nickname is, the rest of his yeah. career, but it was the first one. He sits down with JR and he starts talking about, um, it, it's a little bit of a shoot interview. He talks about uh, what he went through and how he got punished for everybody who left and went to WCW when Shawn Michaels, or with, not Shawn Michaels, um, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash left and went to WCW. He was punished for that and he's gotten to watch all of his peers pass him by. Um, and all these people talk about how they're students of the game, how they study the game. Well, you know what? I am the fucking game, JR. There's nobody who eats, sleeps, or breathes this business more than me. Um, and it was a heart. I remember promo. that clip. I, I've heard that part. Uh, yes. I just I've, said. I've seen it a million times. So. <laughs> um, but that's the promo, right? That was the one that, uh, that people were kind of like, okay, there's something to this guy. He doesn't just like point out his crotch and yell, suck it. Like there is... <laughs> There is something to this, to, to Triple H here, and uh, maybe we're going to see more. And that ended up being the the promo that declared his intentions and uh, set him apart from who he uh, who he was previously. Um, and so, like, I feel like that also kind of set the tone for that kind of interview at the time. Like, JR had done sit-downs a million mm -hmm. times before, but I feel like that one was the first one that took a heel character that didn't have a whole lot of uh, depth or dimension and take him to the next level. And so I can see what you wanted there. On the other hand, though, I did like seeing the way the crowd yes, yep. uh, interacted with this, how they came into it essentially like, boo, MJF, he is an ass, and no matter what, we hate him. But then as time goes on, they're like, actually... Yeah, he's, he's making some points here. We can't here. boo this, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, and then Mr. JJ, head of PR, says uh, Mick Foley made Triple H personally. I mean, a lot of the... Here's the thing about Hunter at that time period. There was a lot of stuff that they were basically throwing against the wall that wasn't sticking um, because Vince Russo's a hack. And... Um, <laughs> They, because uh, like the original like Hunter heel game character was like, here he is. He's actually the evil counterpart to Stone Cold Steve Austin. Here's Stone Cold Steve Austin who does um, all of these badass things, but you love him. And now here's Hunter who does all these badass things and you hate him. And that was like the original introduction to the character. And it's like, ah, that kind of sucks. And then, uh, then they put him back with DX and then eventually married Stephanie. And it was like, okay, now it's clicking. Um, but there was a lot of, and that just happened to be when Mick Foley, um, put him over. There was a lot of stuff that wasn't clicking with that guy at one point though. Um, but 
we then get to oh what was next on this show uh yes we had a tag team match a rematch actually the house of black taking on penta and pack we had been getting promos building up to something significant happening with penta and we weren't sure what it was going to be um unless you watched lucha underground then you knew exactly what it was going to be but we saw the introduction of penta don't remember the word and i'm like uh it's oscuro oscuro Oscuro, that was it yeah Yeah, yeah. penta oscuro that was it um and he had a new entrance a new theme alex had face paint on alex had face paint on (laughs) um and we got a whole new side of penta hey if he's gonna be working solo for a little while i don't mind this and yeah they took on uh the kings of the black throne the two members of house of black uh outside of the entrance though crowd wasn't all that into this match i was actually surprised by that uh we i thought the match was good uh but i think the crowd was a little bit i don't know confused i didn't think this was brody king's best showing i think that they brought him in to this match to basically um do a whole lot of uh impressive power stuff and uh some of it was cool i'm not as against the hard chop into the poison rana spot that they did i know a lot of people are like what's the logic of that um uh like they're like that that's not how physics work uh and and for those who didn't see the spot it was um uh brody puts um pack onto penta's shoulders and then gives him a chop, which then makes Pac fall backwards. But in the process of falling backwards, he gives Penta a poison Rana. And uh, it's one of those convoluted spots that's like, that's not how anything works. And I could very much see a lot of uh, um, wrestling purists hating that and uh, absolutely hating the logic of that. To me, I was like, eh, it's fine it's fun it's wrestling whatever i don't care um but otherwise the the only thing that brought this down for me was uh it just kind of felt a little bit lethargic um like there wasn't a whole lot of energy in the building and in the end uh penta actually got the cover um on malachi uh which malachi went for the mist penta covered his mouth and then he ends up getting rolled up for the victory and then the lights go out after the match is over. And as they come back on, it is Big Bud Matt, who I just saw back on Friday because uh, he worked New Japan strong. Yeah. But here's Buddy Matthews. Good Lord. That I... man is shredded. He's crazy. I immediately thought of Joe Holpert. I was so excited for him. He has to do a 12-hour stream now because of it, so I love that for him. I won't be involved in any of that. Apparently, it's happening on Monday, I guess. I don't know. Not my business. Um, I thought it was odd how 
so basically Malachi was about to like hurt Penta with the shovel or whatever, and then the lights go out and Buddy interrupts it. And I was like, why would you do that if he was already gonna hurt him? He couldn't he just hurt him and you do a beatdown after or something like that? I understand why they did it. It just didn't make sense to me while I was watching. I was like, he was about to hurt him, but then you I get because I think they initially wanted to tell the story that, of course, the reminder that Buddy Murphy and Alistair Black have a lot of history against yes. each other, that they face each other 10,000 times, and uh, and there's a deep-seated hatred. And so it was initially like a, oh, my God, um, he's confronting this face of his past, but then he ends up attacking Penta yeah. and joining the House of Black. They have their third member. It is now the team of Brody King, Malachi Black, and Buddy Matthews. I don't understand it. It's not for me. I just, I had <laughs> to come to accept that, that this Malachi Black stuff, as much as I love him in ring, I love Brody in ring, love Buddy. The lore stuff, the House of Black stuff, the mist, nope, I don't understand it, and I don't need to. I hope that as they now have the complete group and we're no longer building to the members of the group, although if they want a female member, that'd be cool. Um, Abaddon. But, um, or not. Uh, but the, uh, they, I felt like by the end of it, um, th- I, I would like to see now them more do stuff than, than build to more members. Um, now that we're past that point of the group, because now yeah. we're kind of out of the developing stage. Uh, but yeah, they did take them down and there we were. But, um, and also, uh, Ricardo. Uh, Ricardo L. Idolohausen uh, says uh, <laughs> WWE is bad cartoons AEW is great anime sure um, I if don't you watch want. anime sorry I don't either but I I get why people love anime I'm not I'm not big into anime. There's specific I, I look at anime as a whole as like a genre more so than um and not a genre. I think of it more of a medium than a genre where it's like there's genres inside of anime and it's like it's weird for me to just say for anybody to just say, "Oh, I like anime." Well, cuz it's like mm, that's like saying I like books. Like <laughs> <laughs> or like, "Hey, I like movies." And it's like, "Okay, but like what kinds of movies?" Like specifically what so i don't know um there's a few i like but i can't just like say overall oh i like anime um even though i do recognize that there's a this an entire culture behind that and uh and, and what comes with that um man i didn't realize till it was on camera how beat up this 17 year old uh hoodie truly is like as i'm watching like these strings uh and i think i just made it worse um oh, but look God. man i have had this hoodie since 2004 uh, the, the, the year Jay Shell was born. Um, it's probably older than me. It might be. I was a senior in high school when I got this thing. Yeah, my birthday's in August. And I, so, uh, maybe not. Um, maybe it was made then, but I didn't have it uh, at that point. Because let me see, I started my senior year of high school in August of 2004 because I graduated okay. 2005. Oh, shit. I got a <laughs> 20-year reunion in three years. Fuck, I'm old. All right. Um, and, and thank you, Jay Shell, for making me feel that way. One day you'll, it'll I think that's you. my purpose in this space is to make people feel old. <laughs> One day 
you'll be 34. And you'll be doing a podcast. And some 17-year-old is going to be a guest on your show. And you'll be like, man, I remember when like AEW first started. And they'll be like, wow, you remember that? That's so long ago. Oh, God. It'll happen to you. <laughs> Just you wait. All right. Uh, what else did we have? All right. Oh, do we have to grade that? Um, yes, we do, actually. Okay. I just realized we didn't. Um, this gets a B- minus for me. I think it was uh, mainly because of the debut. I thought that the yeah. debut for me was strong. Um, and I, I liked it anyway. I recognize that you're not into the House of Black stuff. Um, and then, like I said, the match action was fine. It was really the crowd that brought it down. But they were really into Buddy's debut yeah. Uh, and gave Buddy kind of the ovation that I think he's probably wanted to have his whole career. It probably felt like something special for him. So uh, I enjoy that. What do you give this? I'm going to actually give it what you gave it as well. I was going to go C, but then I was like Buddy Matthews. So I can't really do that to him. So I got to bump it up. I like him a lot. The, I love the abs him bump it up. Yes, that as well. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. So, the next segment, uh, we have one Edward Kingston and Christopher uh, Jericho. So, they went face-to-face. And I have to say, uh, there's a few things that have been working for me with Jericho recently. The first thing being, um, hey, that guy's kind of gotten in much better shape these last few months. He is definitely not as bloated as he's been in the last, like, two years. Uh, so, he deserves credit for that. Also, I've never been a fan of Chris Jericho as a babyface. Um, going back to, really, the year 2000. I oh, never liked Chris Jericho as a babyface. I've always thought that... Um, he's always come off hokey to me. Um, he's always been corny as a babyface. There's always just stuff that hasn't clicked for me with Jericho as a babyface. But as a heel, he's like top ten for me. And so, um, and and this is coming from somebody like literally blocked by Chris Jericho on Twitter. So like I I am very much able to separate um, the performer from the dude. Uh, and I do think that Chris Jericho as a heel is one of the best. And we got that, uh, when AEW first launched, I thought that Chris Jericho as world heavyweight champion was killing it. Um, and somewhere along the way, and I even thought that the early stuff of his babyface run wasn't so bad, but somewhere along the way, Chris Jericho kind of became unbearable. And here we got to see traces of him working that heel character again. And uh, I liked a lot of it. I'll say what I didn't like here. Uh, so in this segment, basically it was Eddie Kingston wondering what the hell are we doing here. He even name dropped Willow Nightingale. Shout out Willow Nightingale. Um, I love Willow. She's going to train me. Dude. Yeah. We already arranged something. That rules. It's, yeah, it's going to be uh, fun. <laughs> so... I don't even know how to follow that. Uh, so Chris Jericho, of course, talks about how 
Uh, he mentions how he heard Eddie Kingston came, uh, was coming to the company, and he had never heard of him. Um, he even thought, uh, he was like, oh, I thought, when he saw him, he was like, I thought we were talking about Eddie Edwards. Um, and he mentioned... Uh, Funny how you say Eddie Edwards while what's happening in Impact is happening in Impact. That Good job, Jericho. That's great. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, he's probably not lying. Uh, in the sense that, yes, yeah, <laughs> like I could honestly see him being like straight up about that. Yes, um, and he, uh, there were a couple of of, of digs here uh, in that. Um, Eddie mentions that you know we're right up the road from Stanford, and uh, and Chris Jericho uh, said that you know maybe. Um, we will give them some sports entertainment, but this will actually be entertaining. Um, I Chris Jericho is a good talker. Never going to take that away from him. Eddie Kingston is a great talker. But they are two different types of talkers, and it couldn't be more apparent here. Chris Jericho is very good at the WWE-style promo. Um, he speaks very slowly, very methodically. Um, he speaks in a way that plays to the crowd and in a way where it is, um, I won't say so much scripted as much as it just comes off as somebody who is there to perform. And that is who Chris Jericho is. That's who he's always been. That's what he does best. Eddie Kingston, what makes him such a unique talker is that Eddie Kingston comes off like a real person. In every way possible, Chris or Eddie Kingston feels like a genuine, actual person. And when he gets in these types of promo confrontations, like the ones he had with Punk uh, and things like that, and the one he had with Moxley, it very much feels like um, somebody who, uh, you know, he, he, he gets in a very interrupty type way because people would do that if they were in an actual heated argument. Mm -hmm. That's just the kind of talker Eddie Kingston is. CM Punk is the type of talker who can kind of do both. CM Punk can have very real feeling conversations in the ring, but then also be a, a performance type talker. John Moxley's the same way. John Moxley can do that. I feel like Chris Jericho can't. And so in this way, I felt like this whole promo, Chris Jericho came off like he was performing and uh, Eddie Kingston came off like he was there to confront somebody. And that was ultimately the difference here. I thought that Eddie Kingston was very good, and I thought Chris Jericho's content was good in a way to make you angry at this person. That was how I felt about Chris Jericho's content. Yeah. Here. Like, he was saying a lot of condescending stuff. He was saying a lot of stuff that's like, uh, oh man, what an asshole. Like somebody who really thinks highly of himself would say this. You know, he mentioned how Eddie Kingston um, was getting his big break on the big stage at age 38. But by the time Chris Jericho was 38, he was already a, probably a six time world champion, I'm guessing. Um, let me see. Let me do some math here. If Chris Jericho is 50 uh, or 52, then we would have been 38 in uh, 2008 which would have made him a five-time world champion in 2008. So, okay. He had, at that point, been a multi-time world. He had been WWE champion, and he had been a world heavyweight champion. So, 
at that point, that that is a valid point for Chris Jericho. But at the same time, you wouldn't say that. You wouldn't say that unless you're an ass. And so I was getting very heel vibes from Chris Jericho. Um, and even when he's, you know, th there was finally a challenge laid down for Revolution, Chris Jericho versus Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston, uh, Chris Jericho tells him that if I beat you, uh, or if you beat me, then, you know, you'll uh, shake my hand and, uh, and I will acknowledge you. And Eddie Kingston basically didn't want any of that. And Chris Jericho talked about his family. And, yeah, they, we, we got a match laid down. Good Lord. Jericho needs to lose here. That's where I'm starting. Oh, yeah, he'll lose. He'll lose, yes. Two. I, I don't think. I thought it was hilarious how he mixed up the sixes with the March 6th and the May 6th. I thought that was hilarious considering what else <laughs> happened on the 6th. That was great. <laughs> that was great content for yeah. me. I enjoyed that a lot. Um, but a lot of the stuff that Jericho has been saying recently, <laughs> it really comes off to me as um, misogynistic or homophobic. Uh, and nobody should be saying those things, one. But two, if you are going to, you better be a heel and say it. Um, and he was not. So that was a real big issue for me when he was doing the Dan Lambert stuff. Um, yes, agreed. But if we're going to see him become a heel... I guess if Eddie signs off on it, calling him a street thug is fine. Not really, but like, I can't it, tell homeboy. I'll say this. Do. It's fine for me in the sense that I, for me as, as a wrestling watcher, I don't mind the idea of somebody I would genuinely hate um, because those people exist in real life. Those people exist in film. You know, uh, one of the things people bring up a lot from a year before you were born was, man, I just, this, these podcasts just get to be history lessons, don't they? And I, I'm sure you've seen it, though. But the Booker T Triple H feud is a thing people bring up a lot. Yes. Um, the the feud leading into WrestleMania 19 that saw um, Hunter tell Booker that uh, people like you don't win. People like you uh are here to make people like me laugh with your nappy hair and your suckers um all of that stuff that promo is burned in my brain too the thing about that promo to me is that i didn't hate it till booker lost that was when i hated it yeah. because i was like you know what a racist character in pro wrestling makes my skin crawl and makes me hate them but that's how I'm supposed to feel here. And yeah. it's making me want to see Booker win. And that was what I wanted to see. And then Booker lost. Not only lost, but he lost fucking clean to a pedigree in which Hunter then slow crawls over to him. And I'm like, okay, he's going to kick out because he's slow crawling. One, two, three. Are you kidding me? Um, and that was the problem there. And so for somebody like Chris Jericho, it's not to say that I like the content, but more so that... I can at least feel it, especially knowing who Chris Jericho is. It's like, okay, I can believe he'd feel that way. I can believe he'd say something like this. And like, yeah, I do think that Eddie Kingston will ultimately beat him. I don't see this scenario going any other way. Um, and yeah, that's, uh, the. I don't know. For me, this segment was also an A. I thought that Chris Jericho and um, Eddie Kingston had one job here, which was sell me on the match and make me want to see it. 
And by the end of it, I wanted to see the match. And so this was another winner for me. I like the segment. Yeah. I'm going to go A minus, but that's due to my dislike for Jericho inside the <laughs> ring and out. You're a better person than me. I cannot separate Jericho. No. Please. I want him to block me on Twitter. I just need it in my life. <laughs> I'm going to put on the goal board. I don't even um, remember what I said. Uh, but but I know that it's been a long time since I've tagged him in anything. So whatever it was probably came from uh, some vanity searching. So Sounds uh, like him. <laughs> uh, so that's that. I hope Eddie had... Kingston makes him bleed bad. There's going to be a lot of blood on the show, so I don't know what we get. Uh, but we also did get to see a face of the revolution qualifying match as the FTW champion Ricky Starks went one-on-one with Dark Order's 10. Look at you. Excited. You got to talk with Ricky Starks. Give it a plug really quick. Yeah, so I did do an interview with Ricky Starks for Wrestling with Politeness. That is up on my YouTube channel. If you search J. Sean Nicole, it'll be right up there. Or you can go on my Twitter. It's all over my Twitter right now. But we did actually say, I plugged Revolution, and I was like, I know you're going to be doing something there. He's like, oh, yes, I am. So when I saw this match get announced, I was like, Ricky, apparently I gave him good luck, and that's what I'm going to go with. Whether I believe it or not, I don't know. But I was watching this match and I kind of started shaking because I hadn't realized before that I did this interview until I saw him on my TV. And then I was like, oh, my God, it started setting in. I was having a minor panic attack, but it was great. I lived for it. Nice. That rules. And um, I don't know. I was not expecting Ricky to win. I was hoping for it, but I was like, you know what? We've got all of the, the, the big meaty men slapping me in this match. And I figured... 10 would just be another one of them. And no, we got Ricky Starks. They're not going to do that to my Ricky. They can't do that. I'm now personally invested in Ricky Starks. As <laughs> Cody once said, he is now my real life friend. So going with that, Ricky is going to win every single match until I die. Even if it doesn't happen, I'm going to believe it until it becomes true. That's awesome. It was a short match. wasn't much to write home about. I'm sure you could S-tier this one just because it's Ricky Starks. He uh, didn't do his finisher, and yeah, I was mad. Uh, he hit him with the spear. Uh, no Rochambeau in this one, uh, but also Tins a big dude. He big uh, also, this was uh, this is almost like a Cody tribute match because these are Cody's dudes. Cody's two best friends, Ricky Starks and uh, Preston Vance, yes. are Cody's two closest friends at AEW. And yeah, but it was short otherwise, so uh, I can't say much other than Ricky won, so I get to see. It's good. We're gonna see some Ricky and Hobbs tag team stuff, and I, I, I. They, there's two things that they can do with Team Taz for me right now. Is you either kind of just turn them all babyface because Hook's basically a babyface, so you're gonna have to figure that out, and you can't turn Hook heel right now, or we kind of gotta split them up soon, and Ricky can go after the TNT title. Um, I don't know what you do there, but I think we need to see some progression in Team Taz. There's options. But also, I do like that um, Ricky is starting to defend the, uh, the FTW title a little bit more. Yes. Um, so it is kind of giving it its... Uh, he's already had more defenses of it at this point now that Brian Cage had. So he said that he wanted that in the interview I did with him as well. So there's that, yeah. Yeah, so this was fine, though. And next, we had... 
the speaking of titles, TBS championship on the line. Jade Cargill, the reigning and defending undefeated 28-0 TBS champion, went one-on-one with the bunny of the AHFO. There's a lot of Matt Hardy on the show, actually. Um, and uh, in this match, he and um, Smart Mark Sterling got ejected. But yes, Jade Cargill versus The Bunny. Jade continues to, um, I think, come off more and more natural in the ring every single time she's in there. Uh, she just feels like somebody who is... Uh, I don't know. I, you could see the influences of Brian Danielson in there. Yeah. Um, but you can also just see how much she's working to better herself as a performer. I love the green hair. I think I that, uh, you know, because you kind of own it, right? You know, everybody's been calling her green on social media, on their podcast, whatever. OJ Cargill's green. Go ahead. Isolate all that shit. Uh, and then at that point, it's yours. Um because put it on a t-shirt do everything you want to with it because yeah i'm green green like money love it i absolutely love it jade cargill is one of my favorite people on tv right now uh and she just she looks like a star i i saw a graphic promoting this match and for a second it kind of looked like she was holding the old wwf championship that one right there to the point of where, like, look at this. Hold on, let me pull up the graphic again. Like, it, the, yeah. the graphic had the TBS part covered, and it kind of looked like she was holding the old WWF title. And seeing that, it was like, she looks like a world champion. Like, that belt to me, the more I see her with it, the more that belt looks to me like a world title, I think it's the best-looking women's title on television. Oh, I would 100% agree. Um I love that belt, to be honest. I think it looks amazing with her. Um, Jade is becoming one of my favorites very quickly as well. Um, I feel like I prefer her working heels than I do working faces now after seeing this match. And I feel like we eventually get a baby face turn from her, which is what I need because I want to cheer her without the pain of her being a heel. Um, Mm -hmm. But there was one small botch in this match that I know that she will learn from. But did you see it? Did you see what? Which one are you referring to? Oh, one. Uh, the one where she didn't kick out and Aubrey had oh, to yeah, stop yeah, her yeah, hand. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh, um, yeah. And the weird thing is, she's never been pinned. So it's like, yeah, you only know to kick out after. <laughs> <laughs> um, and because uh, I, I always think about the story Bojo Raleigh told about how uh, he had only done squash matches his whole career. Uh, and so the first time he had to have a match on SmackDown, and he went for a pin one two and then his opponent kicks out and it like really threw him off because he was like i don't know what that was like i didn't know i never had anybody kick out after something because that was not something i had trained for practiced for nothing and he was like what do i do i'm on live television and he had to adjust on the fly but like for jade you've never been pinned (laughs) so uh but yeah she'll learn from it she'll be fine Otherwise, I thought everything else in the ring looked clean, looked good. Uh, And after the match was over, she gets on the microphone and she issues an open challenge and out comes 
Ty Conti. Hey, we have a second women's match on the card because they said revolution. So to me, it seems like, and I feel like we're building toward a third uh, because I feel like the um, uh, the Serena Deep challenges are also going somewhere. God and blessed. so, um, <laughs> and so all of a sudden it's like, hey, this is kind of coming along nicely. Yeah, but either way, uh, this gets a B minus from me. Jay Cargill is always fun to watch. I am a uh, a Jade Cargill fan. Uh, I do want to address. Um, there's one particular person, uh, Big T in the chat says that mjf promo was brutal i feel it did nothing for mjf or the feud with punk AEW blew their load in chicago and anything they do including the match at the pay-per-view is just lackluster and secondary i disagree with that wholly because one i don't know where this is going with mjf um so i can't say it did nothing for the feud because this is the latest thing to happen in the feud and uh we don't know what the next stage is i also feel like um I disagree that they blew their load in Chicago because they had a match in Chicago, which that was the the point there was we knew with this match or with this feud being as big as it's been, that it wasn't going to be a single match thing that they were probably going to do. My guess is a set of three matches. Yeah, that's what I I had too. Yeah, I felt like Chicago, okay, not on pay-per-view. Punk loses. Punk probably wins in Orlando. And then we have AEW March 11th is going to be in Long Island. And my guess here is that, or sorry, on Long Island. Um, And CM Punk versus MJF3, this time on MJF's home turf. That's my guess is where that's going. So, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, it's... Uh, I mean, you are entitled to that opinion. Is everybody in the chat letting you know? Um, I just fully, fully disagree. I disagree I, as well, for all the reasons that Will stated. <laughs> like, I'm still having fun with it. I'm still having fun with MJF and CM Punk, and I'm looking forward to Revolution. I will be there, by the way. Cannot relate. You gotta wait till I'm 18. When I'm 18, I'm going everywhere. I already made the decisions. I'm going to Mania and Cali and Swole and Lovely are gonna be my babysitters. So that's gonna be great. Nice. Mania weekend and Cali should be fun. Yes. I don't know if I'm going to Mania weekend in Dallas. I probably am. You're gonna end up there. I know. I think I've only skipped one Mania weekend in the last like seven years. I really don't want to, but uh, um, but at the same time, I I mean, like everything going on in, in Texas is like really bugging me, yes. and I'm like, do I want to spend money in Texas? That's one thing. Yep. And then uh, also, I don't know. I mean, I I don't know. I I'm gonna Florida go sounds, probably. Florida sounds cool. I was gonna try to go, but then it just ended up working out that I. Do not have control over my family and where they will want to go on vacation. So, uh, yeah. I mean, I I didn't get to start traveling for pro wrestling. Are you kidding me? I didn't even ride on a plane for the first time till I was twenty four. So, <laughs> um, there's, I did not start traveling for wrestling events till I was 
uh, way later. So uh, I I don't know. Um, I will be. Yeah, I'll be. And, and so will Reg. Uh, shout out to Reg because we're actually gonna be at the AEW music show um, yes. put on by Mikey Ruckus and Wrestling Flow and Montezzi, or as uh, and Montezzi is my dude. But as Tony Schiavone put it this week, Mont Easy. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> God bless Tony. Yep. Uh, yeah, Tony Schiavone said, and Mont Easy. Oh, my and, God. JR uh, should say it next. <laughs> oh, my yeah, God. I would live for that. Yep. Uh, but, yeah, that'll be fun. I'll be, I'll be uh, if you happen to be in the Orlando area um, uh, or are going to be there, I will be in town. I get in Friday. Uh, I will miss Rampage. Um, so shout out to everybody who gets to make it to Rampage. But then I'll be around Saturday. Um, I'll actually be at FanFest. And like I said, I'll be at the, the concert. And then Sunday I'll be at Revolution. And then Monday. I'm, I'm like mad about Monday. Um, let me tell you, Jay Shell, the, the, um, the travel stories you'll have to look forward to. So... Um, Jay Shell, do you know what time hotels, uh, let you check in? Let you check in? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe like two o'clock? It's usually mm-hmm. around three, three p.m. Okay. Do you know what time you have to usually be out of your hotel? Isn't it like 11 or 10? Yes, or it's early. You're correct. 11. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so in this case, um, and <sighs> so mad about this. So. I had everything lined up perfectly. My flight out of Orlando on Monday was set to leave at noon. Perfect. Check out Perfect. of my flight. Um, I check out of my or I check out of my hotel at eleven, but well before eleven. I'll be at the airport by probably ten thirty. Somebody's and... going to the show in Boston. So am I. Oh my god, I'm going too. Meet me <laughs> yeah, there. That thing sold very. <laughs> that thing did sell very fast. Um, and so I was all set. Now my flight just got delayed nine hours. Uh, and so my flight does not leave till nine o'clock, but I still have to check out of my hotel at 11. I don't know what I'm going to do for nine hours. Um, I have some ideas and they may end up right here on Fightful. Um, so you'll see, Whoa. you may see some fun stuff I film. Uh, but otherwise, I don't know what I'm going to do. Do I extend my hotel stay a whole day just for nine hours? I really don't want to pay for another night um just for nine hours but also like what am i gonna do for nine hours i don't know uh so i'm gonna figure out something to do um and not like again spending money like all of a sudden i might as well just spend more money on the hotel uh or yeah maybe go to disney world or universal studios i could also do i don't know all i know is i'm stuck in orlando for an additional nine hours I do have a friend who lives in Tampa. Maybe I'll go visit them. I I can connect you to somebody. Um, my co-host for ADH Divas lives like 30 minutes from where um, the pay-per-view is happening. So nice. Yeah, well, that'd be fun. I, I'm going to find something to do. Um, everybody's suggesting the chat, go to museums. Um, and yeah, there's ideas. I'm, I'm glad you guys are going to the show in Boston. Uh, my, my buddy Cody of... Uh, rbr wrestling he's going to that show as well i'm gonna do some um, community yeah. stuff with them actually i don't know if i'm supposed to say that or not yet but i'm gonna do some community stuff when we get to boston so that's cool with the aw that rules yeah um yeah it's just 
great stuff all around. Everybody's getting great stuff. I mean, I will say, uh, as everybody's getting their hands on the new AEW album, Who We Are, um, I really am appreciative of how much uh, community involvement there truly gets to be. Um, and and the fact that I got to contribute to that album, two songs you've heard. I think you've heard both of them at this point. Um, and it's, it's, I don't know. If you guys haven't heard, by the way, um, check out In The Mix. Uh, that's like one of my favorite things I've ever produced. And uh, so gra- glad uh, that Red Velvet loves it because um, I'm really proud of that track. Ricky likes the Hobbs song. It's the big homie powerhouse Hobbs. Yes. Um, I, I, that, that one was fun to put together, too. Uh, what else happened on this card? Uh, oh, I guess we're just down to the main event, which was Brian Danielson <laughs> versus Red Death, Daniel Garcia. I can't believe this is a match that really happened. And you know what's funny? I was just telling Reg this uh, yesterday because Reg was like, yeah, I want to see this match. I wanted to see this match, but man, I would have loved to have seen it further down the line. And maybe I would have agreed with that two weeks ago. But I have to say, this new wrestling era we live in uh, with two major wrestling companies and people who can jump back and forth at any point, I now believe differently than i did two weeks ago i believe if you've got a match people want to see do it i'm no longer in the mood for waiting for major matches and i say this because we just saw cody leave yeah that's Uh, exactly what i was thinking yeah cody just left and there were so many matches that every time they were brought up it was like yeah we'll see that eventually it was like okay (laughs) maybe one day we'll see cody versus cm punk Maybe one day we'll see Cody versus uh, Brian Danielson. You know, Cody versus Hangman was a match that could have been done from the beginning. It was never done. But maybe one day we'll see that. Hey, you know, Cody versus uh, Kenny Omega was a huge match for Ring of Honor. Um, And that could be something we see in AEW one day. Uh, And just none of it happened. There was so much stuff left on the table that with (laughs) Cody gone, all of a sudden I look up and I go, we went three years and missed a ton of major Cody matches. I can't believe Cody was the guy that was like the biggest advocate of bringing in Sting. He didn't get the Sting match. Like that's where Sting's presence in AEW started was with Cody. It felt like that was leading to a Cody match. Yeah. Never happened. So much with Cody just never happened to the point of where now I'm starting to look up and go, well, damn, I don't know when anybody's going to go anywhere anymore. So if you've got a match, do it, do it now. Because you didn't, that time, the, the, all of a sudden, that idea that, you know, we'll see that match down the line. I don't know if we're going to get it. So if you got it, do it. And in this case, Brian Danielson and Daniel Garcia. Yeah, would I like to see it again when um, Daniel Garcia is um, a bigger deal? Of course I would. But at this point, am I cool seeing it now? I absolutely am. And that's what we got was Brian Danielson versus Daniel Garcia. I will say that the crowd didn't really know what to do here. They don't like Brian Danielson and they shouldn't. But then also Daniel Garcia is kind of a jerk. And so what do we do here? I thought the result was a great match that had kind of a ho-hum crowd. How did you feel about the match? The smile I had earlier was how I was looking at the whole match. Um, All of the... (laughs) 
the young killers or whatever they're getting called. Um, I love all of them, and I'm so excited to see where this goes. I've I've always like been interested in the idea of the Danielson's dojo thing, and then somebody was backstage, and they did not come out, but it's okay. Um, so I'm very intrigued to see where this goes. I honestly, I'm thinking we get that Yuta match next week or so. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, maybe we do, but also like Yuta just faced um, Moxley, and that was kind of a part of the story. So who knows? True. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Who knows? Right? Yeah. But the Lee match and this match, I feel like we're both star making performances for the both of them. I'm very excited to see how this turns out. I think it's um, interesting that that uh, 2.0 came out and then Mox and and Brian faced each other face to face. I hope throughout that match happening um, that we don't end up losing this Garcia Lee stuff, which I don't think we will, but still there's a chance. Yeah. And that was the thing was after the match was over. um, Yeah. 2.0 went to jump Brian Danielson and then in comes Moxley who rushed through that crowd. Uh, It was like, (laughs) Oh crap. The show's about to end. Uh, He rushes through the crowd. Um, He, uh, takes out 2.0, makes very short work of them, hits uh, Garcia with the paradigm shift. And a very then, good one. Yes, very <laughs> good one. And then uh, we get the uh, Brian Danielson says, it's on, revolution. One-on-one, yes. Brian Danielson, John Moxley. Oh, my God, we haven't seen this match in seven years. Uh, last time we saw this, Dean Ambrose was a member of the Shield. And... Yeah. Uh, we got some kind of flashes of this match building up to WrestleMania 30, um, 31, where for whatever reason they had Dean Ambrose call Daniel Bryan a turd, and uh, because that's how WWE writes stuff. I guess. So. Um, and it was like, hey, well, maybe we're building to something here, and then it kind of never happened. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for this. This yeah. should be fun. This should be a classic i think and it just adds to what is already looking like a very very deep deep revolution card yeah which is funny because two weeks ago we didn't have a revolution card and now we do there also is a tnt title not a tnt title match but sammy's involved in a match which i wish would have been for the tnt title i was expecting the triple threat with Darby and Andrade and Sammy, but instead we're getting the Matt and um, Sammy and Isaiah versus. On, I forgot. <laughs> yes, uh, I lost. So it's Andrade, Matt, and uh, Isaiah versus. There you go. Um, Sammy, Sammy, Darby, Sting, Sammy, Sting, and Darby. There and you go. know what? This gets Sting on the card because Sting is very much an attractive wrestler. Or, attractive attraction wrestler um but do you know how the power rankings have you heard of that for me Mm -hmm. yeah the power ranking sting is all the way at the bottom do tell do you know who's at the top of that um it'll tell you'll see why sting is at the bottom uh hook (laughs) hook is one Uh garcia is two Montez Ford is three. Four, we get to Chris Bay. Five, there's Jay White. Okay. Sting is at the bottom. Maxed out in age. (laughs) 
<laughs> Look, man. Okay, here's the thing. J. Shell. Uh, in the year 2012, who was your favorite wrestler? Oh, wait, you weren't watching yet. Okay. Uh, yeah. Never mind. Um, well, I can pick a favorite wrestler from 2012 if that's okay. helpful. Okay. Do you want a male or a female? Male. Or female. Male. Doesn't matter. But actually, answer doesn't matter. If it was female, it would have been AJ, regardless of whatever storyline she was in. It was AJ. So here's the thing. I've watched wrestling my whole life. I don't remember a time not watching wrestling. So that goes back to I was born in 87. Um, And so having watched wrestling my entire life, my favorite wrestler from the time I was a kid till WCW went under was Sting. Sting was the coolest dude to me. Sting was my absolute favorite wrestler. Um, I loved Surfer Sting, but then, uh, and, and I, I loved Sting Squadron, and then and, and going into um, uh, the, the NWO years when he became the Crow Sting, I just waited to see that match with Hogan. I wanted to see him beat Hogan, and uh, I loved Sting. So when Sting finally got his WWE run in 2014, and he lost to Hunter. I was extremely disappointed. I was like, okay, I got the, I finally got the Sting run that, um, that you know, I can't believe it's finally happening. He's finally in a WWE ring, and it was some bullshit. And so, getting to see Sting now, and Sting being the, getting to go out on his own terms, and every single time he goes out there, it's a blast. It is fun. It is. It's like. I can't believe how much uh, fun I get to have seeing Sting in a ring in 2022 to the point of where I don't know how many more of these I'm going to get, but I know that I feel like a kid every single time his entrance hits, every single time he gets in the ring and does and, and gives us a woo. He so, no sells table shots. That was the thing he did when I was a kid and it ruled. And that's why I love seeing it now. It was so great when Sting, when somebody would take Sting down, put it, do something to him, and Sting would just get up. And it was such a cool moment. Um, and that's, I, I can't ever be down on the idea of my childhood icon continuing to wrestle at the age of 62, oh, 63. <laughs> and I get it if you didn't grow up with sting it doesn't have that effect but trust me when someone you grew up with when you when they're reaching a point where they're in their 60s and you're possibly seeing the last of them you're gonna want as much of it as you can get or maybe you won't i don't know i know that that's how i feel this and is like, fair i just i love seeing sting, sting is my go. dad's age so that's like me imagining my dad in a wrestling ring yeah, my parents were old. Hey, my parents were too. Um, <laughs> my uh, my dad's gonna be eighty next year um, because my dad was forty five when I was born. So I, as a result, my dad was forty three. Yeah, it's around Does the same that point. how math works? Something like that. Close. Yeah, yeah. Um, if 
your dad is 61, 62. That would make yep. sense. There you go. That's exactly <laughs> the number it is. <laughs> yeah. And my dad was 45. So uh, I have even older. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just, it's cool to me. Uh, Cause here's the thing. If you told me that my dad got to have one more run at something that he was good at, <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, that's my dad. Go dad. <laughs> so, <laughs> so even sting, if I looked at Sting we just plug is the show. Yes. We said go oh, dad. That's right. Marketing genius. Hey, this ending segment to me, solid B. I thought Brian and uh, and Dan went out there and did their thing. Uh, again, confused crowd, so they weren't as hot as they were at earlier points in the show. Yep. But man, when Moxley and Brian get head to head and face to face, I am, I am in. I got B plus. My love for Garcia will never die. Um, there's that. Um, but I, I think a lot of the transition moves within this match. I think that. Oh, it's I a technical. Uh, I love this as a yes. just a, a tech yeah. test. I think. Beyond this, I have a feeling that maybe Garcia and Brian are already working together and we're just eventually going to see that on screen. It seems like Garcia is learning lots from him already and he was able to counter a lot of his moves, which I'm guessing he's probably worked with him before. So, yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, Van Twinblade says, we'll get Danny Adams on here. So dad is with dad. Yes. That would be rad. Um <laughs> Hey, so it's time for the part of the show where I get to find out the ratings. It's not that I didn't find it out at the beginning of the show. Uh, and let's see what we've got here. Oh, we even got quarter hours for the show this oh. week. Um, and this show did well. Uh, this show did... Just over a million. Uh, did one million ten thousand viewers, wow. um, and it did a uh, and wow that then brings the average up a whole lot. Um, and it's rating what it did five seventeen in eighteen forty nine, so it gives it a point four rating. Uh, so this was way up over last week. Um, I know last week kind of had the the sky falling because uh, everybody's like, oh my god, the first show without Cody, and they did eight hundred thousand. <laughs> Here's the thing um, about ratings like that, and uh, I'm sure some will call it an excuse. Not gonna call it that. What I'm gonna call this is it's really tough when your show is only doing a million because a two hundred thousand swing of people is kind of an anomaly that happens really often like raw if you take monday night raw for example what monday night raw does anywhere between 1.5 million and 1.9 million people right like a swing of 200,000 people simply blipping or whatever happens that happens all the time with that show right but because it has such a larger base, you don't yeah. necessarily notice that big of a swing. But when you're then looking at a show that normally does anywhere upwards of 1.2 million or 800,000, a swing of 200,000, 
makes a big dent and all of a sudden everybody will be like oh my god the sky is falling because we see the swing of 200,000 um whereas like no this looks about right that's about where i expect to see the show i don't know i'm really i'm very analytical with numbers but i also am very realistic about them so like yeah the show did 1 million 10,000 viewers and i feel like about 900,000 to 1.2 million is about where AEW Dynamite lives on any given week um which is Again, this it's a it's a fine number. The quarters are out, and uh, of course, given Big Bang Theory starts the show, obviously the opener is always the strongest quarter. But um, the the battle royal really held on to pretty much all the viewers that it had all throughout. Um, the lowest segment was actually the main event. I understand that. Now I love Dan Garcia, but I recognize he's not there yet. Uh, and yeah, that was dynamite. I don't understand ratings too much. I get I get why we look at them and everything, but my thing is like if I enjoy the show, I enjoyed the show. I leave the ratings and the metrics and everything to the professionals. I barely understand math, to be honest <laughs> with you. So I, I I'll say this. Um and if I'm gonna steal a point from Tony Khan, um part of the reason that I personally like um ratings is because it is the only measure of success of a television product because you can't necessarily measure anything else because everything else is subjective. Everything else is opinion, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I could say that that MJF segment was a home run, phenomenal segment. Somebody else will come in and say in our chat, um, eh, not a fan. So there's no measure of success there. Everything else is subjective, but the only thing that is objective are numbers. And so, I do feel like that's the only way to measure the a, a, the success of a product. Now, I do think that a lot of people get wrapped up in the numbers, not necessarily relative to the television landscape as a whole. I think that personally, you can't necessarily get wrapped up in the idea of a like you know you'll hear especially old timers. Um, little curmudgeons and assholes like Disco Inferno be like, well, wrestling was pulling 6 million viewers all these years ago, and now it's only pulling 2 million viewers. And it's like, yeah, but look at the landscape of television as a whole. Is Raw still the number one show on Monday nights? It is. Is Dynamite the number one show on Wednesday nights? It is. And the funny thing is, when it's the number one show on Wednesday nights, it's also a show that's only existed two years. So to me, I think that's a huge success um, that it's the number one show on Wednesday nights. So uh i think it's things that have to be looked at relatively i think that it's the same thing with smackdown um you could look at it as yes smackdown when it was on upn back in the day used to do six seven million viewers now it currently does too but is it also the number one rated show on friday nights on network television in the demo it is so at that point i would say smackdown's a success i think wrestling is doing phenomenally i think that Anybody that wants to tell you that wrestling isn't successful is out of their damn minds because the numbers are there to show that. Uh, and uh, uh, Evan says, they will get the Claudio news while live. I did not. I got that right before the show started. Um, and I was very thrown off by that because... I found out because of your tweet. <laughs> yeah, hey, I mean, who knows what Claudio's going to do? Uh I can very much see Brian Danielson picking up the phone right now saying, get over here right now. Hey, buddy. <laughs> Especially because he got no non-compete clause. What's going to happen yes. with Claudio? I have no idea, but I want to see him with 
uh, Dante Martin. I want to see Ooh. him with Ray Phoenix. I want to see him with, uh, God, who the options are endless. If you know Claudio pre Cesaro, that man paired with anybody smaller than him was money. And I want to see what he does in this next run, whether it's in, uh, and then, yeah, of course they said Keith Lee because uh, they're saying Keith Lee, Darby Allen. Yeah. There's stuff you can do here and it doesn't even have to be AEW. I don't know. Um, Jay White, you could, there's a lot we can do. Uh, I am ready to see Claudio into the scene again. Yes. Jay shell. Give us a plug. Yes. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Jayshell Nicole. It's right on the screen down there. Um, I'm posting all of my stuff over there. So all of my YouTube content um, is promoted over there. I also have a Patreon now, patreon.com slash Jayshell. You can give $1 a month and get all of my interviews early. Exclusive interviews. There's like Rhett Titus, Josh Woods, Anthony Henry. If you're interested in any of those, those are up over there. Some editorial content as well. Obviously, I have my Wrestling with Whiteness project that I'm doing. Those uh interviews are getting released uh, basically every week so next week i'll have an interview with big swole which is a really good interview really newsworthy you're gonna want to check that out and i'm also on the late night grin i have a show right after this at six o'clock um we're reviewing cody rhodes basically the free agent show and we're going to talk about <laughs> where we think he's going we did swerve in the first episode then we did athena um so now we'll see how that goes with cody um so how yeah, right sure were you guys on i mean how right were you guys allegedly on Swerve assuming that the uh, the news that was reported yesterday is correct? Well, AEW was a top pick for both of us. We had differing opinions in how he was going to debut. So I had Face the Revolution ladder match. I had a regular, um, just like a match, like an open challenge TNT title match as well. And then I think, oh, I have my notebook over here if I can actually figure it out. Let me see. If you want to plug while I find it, I can grab uh, it. I do want to read um, a Humber chat that we got oh. uh, really quick. Uh, this one is from, uh, we got a couple of them actually. Uh, Jennifer says, uh, just sending love to Will and Jay Shell. Thank you, Jennifer. Um, Hi, Van Jennifer. Twinblade says, uh, hey, Will, I hope you and the crew um, got to see Black Wrestlers Matter St. Louis because I expect 500 words on it for Grapsity. Uh, um, also if you uh saw it did you hear the stuff uh i shouted at jossie um i suppose i'll have to go back and take a look uh ricardo says um aw may have just masterfully set up an epic double turn and i absolutely love it i want to see this mox and danielson um or mjf and punk oh oh okay okay oh but anyway you got another show to get to in 20 minutes so you go get to that and i will wish everybody a happy happy thursday and say thank you for being with us on day after dynamite check me out on grab city i will be here uh back on saturday uh with a special guest uh and that's this saturday at noon eastern 9 a.m pacific youtube.com slash fightful be on the main fightful channel but this has been Fightful Overbooked. This has been Day After Dynamite. I'm Will Washington. She is Jay Shell. We will see you next time. Have a great day. Peace. Bye.